0: Quinoa was first cultivated over 5,000 years ago, but it's only in recent years that the grain has achieved something like cult status with many of the world's cooks. And that's caused the price of quinoa to triple over the last five years. And that success has come with another kind of price, particularly in Bolivia. Joining me now to explain is Time contributor, Jean Friedman-Rudovsky. Her article, Quinoa, the Dark Side of an Andean Superfood, appears on time.com. And I'm pleased that it brings to our show today for our first Unreported segment. Hi. Hi,
1: how are you?
0: I'm, I'm well. Uh, when did people start eating quinoa? I said about 5,000 years ago. Do, do we actually know?
1: Well, folks from quinoa territory, which is the highlands here in Bolivia, will say, yeah, 3,000 B.C., some people even say 5,000 B.C. But it's been a very long time that quinoa has been the staple of the highland diet here and, and in other Andean countries, including Peru.
0: And it's indigenous to the Andes.
1: It is. It's indigenous to the Andes. There are many, many different varieties of quinoa. The main quinoa that anyone who eats it in the U.S. or in Europe um, the main variety that they're eating is called quinoa real, and that is from a very small region here in Bolivia, in what's called the Southern Altiplano, the Southern Highlands, right outside Bolivia's largest salt flat, which is called the Salar de Oyuni.
0: So it grows on on the the sides of mountains.
1: No, it grows it grows on high plains. Um, quinoa is a very very uh, hardy crop, and the fact is, you really could cultivate it anywhere. Bolivians here will tell you that it won't be as good, that, that only the quinoa that they grow here in the southern Altiplano is, is really the, the best quinoa that you're going to eat. But really, it, it could be grown in many other places.
0: And has it, uh, have people started growing it elsewhere?
1: It's grown somewhat elsewhere. It's it's grown in Peru, where it's also native, as I said, in the Andes. It's grown in a very limited extent in Colorado. Um, Actually, two university, I'm sorry, Colorado State University professors in 1994 tried to patent one variety of quinoa. They did, and then it, it caused so much scandal. Um, partially by the farmers here in Bolivia that that raised very, very big international complaints that they ended up having to give up that patent. But it is cultivated a little bit in Colorado.
0: Has it been seen as a, a poor people's food over the centuries?
1: It has. Here, when you talk to people, everyone says it was comida para los indios or comida de los indios, which means exactly that, food for Indians. You know, it was what you ate, because it's what you could grow, but it wasn't available on the market. You couldn't buy it. No one really wanted to buy it. And the fact is people here didn't even quite realize it was as nutritious as it is. It's only been in the last 10 to 15 years with, um, with sort of the push of the export market towards the U.S. and, and Europe that, that knowledge of just how nutritious it is um, has really been making the rounds here in Bolivia.
0: And it also dovetails with a couple of recent food trends it's gluten free and whole grain, but it's also delicious. Why uh, did uh, wealthier people in the Andes look down on it until recently?
1: it's a good question i'm not sure. I think it may just be that that it was considered Indian food simply because those were the people who ate it mm-hmm. um, you know it wasn't other people didn't necessarily have a chance to try it and say oh I don't like it it just was that was the food that exists in the highlands that you can grow at, And we're talking about you know plains that are between 12,000 and 14,000 feet where almost nothing else grows you can grow potatoes you can grow quinoa and, and a few other crops, but but virtually nothing.
0: Although potatoes sure became popular pretty quickly after they became part of the Columbian Exchange. And your article makes it clear just how versatile quinoa can be. You write about a quinoa vodka for sale in France, homemade quinoa mm-hmm. soda, quinoa bread in Bolivia. Uh, has that been one of the keys to its growing popularity?
1: Well, not necessarily. I think the fact is most people who think of quinoa uh, think about it in one way you know people who eat it in the united states or europe they think about it as something that's sort of like rice or like couscous they can make it as a side dish or you know mix with some vegetables but essentially that but the fact is here as you say you know it, it people make it for uh for drinks refresco de quinoa they call it they you can grind up the seed and it becomes uh, flour which essentially you can replace white flour with it to make quinoa bread. Um, It's used a lot in soups. It's incredibly versatile, though I think that part is is taking a lot longer to catch on in the United States and Europe. Mainly people think of it as mistakenly as a grain, because the fact is it's not a grain. It's called a quinoa, sort of a cousin to a beet. Um, but really? it, it seems like the grain. Mm-hmm.
0: It was uh, it was once recommended by NASA as a food staple for any future space colonies. So I guess it's assumed that we could grow it on Mars. <laughs>
1: exactly. It's it's again it's the only vegetable that it's a that's a complete protein source in and of itself. It's a lot of vitamins, a lot of min- minerals. It really is. You know, I think it deserves the name superfood.
0: Now quinoa has tripled in price over the last five years. Is it still being produced on small-scale farms?
1: It is, and I think that's it's one of the important aspects that I, that I tried to, to make a, sort of a highlight of, of my piece is that in some ways, you know, this is a boom, and it's great for farmers. The fact is it's being produced mainly by families still on the Altiplano, on the highlands, um, most of them have, you know, a maximum of, sort of 15 hectares, which is about 35 acres or so. Some of them have a lot less than that. So it's all small-scale farming, small-scale production. There's no multinationals who have come in and, and taken over production. And the growers themselves export it directly to the U.S. and Europe. So there's no middlemen. There's no, there's no one, you know, taking sort of a huge chunk off the, off the top of the profits.
0: And that, and that adds to its appeal. That's
1: important. Exactly. It adds to its appeal. Most people I think who buy quinoa think of it as I'm I'm doing something good. I am you know, I'm supporting a fair trade model and in some ways that's absolutely correct. And I think it's important that farmers here do receive a just price for their quinoa and a high price for their quinoa. I think it's excellent.
0: So they've been able to reap the benefits of these higher prices?
1: They have been. You know, we're talking about the poorest region in what's considered the poorest country, <clears throat> excuse me, in South America. And so it's, it's farmers who have been living, you know, in extreme, extreme poverty for generations, for centuries. And now they have a crop that, that people in the U.S., as they say, you know, the world's richest, want what we produce. They sort of say it with this, you know, glee. Um, and the fact is, they have been able to to improve their life conditions. It's not as if, you know, now they're driving around in huge SUVs and and making a ton of money, but they're making a decent wage and they're able to, you know, do expansions on their home or buy a tractor for their fields or buy a car or buy a bicycle or whatever it is to improve their standard of living, even if it's just slightly.
0: And uh, President Evo Morales has uh, also been touting its benefits, uh, although he has had a a kind of a troubled relationship with the United States. He's, I guess he's happy to see so much quinoa come to this country. Um, is, it, is that in part, uh, uh, is that connected to his uh, large support of the indigenous people of Bolivia? Or is it just uh, a matter of uh, trying to uh, get some foreign trade going here?
1: Probably a combination. Um, I spoke directly to the Vice Minister of Rural Development and Agriculture and they're thrilled about the fact that the quinoa is now having a, an export boom because it does mean, you know, uh, increased income or increased revenue for the country in general. Absolutely. The highlands, the highland indigenous are Egos base and so if they're happy, to some extent he's happy. Um, or at least, you know, they're they're not complaining with with what he's doing, um, and so I think I think it's it's a combination um, of those two factors.
0: And uh, a caller just pointed out that uh, uh, that people who are going to be celebrating Passover uh, should know that quinoa has been declared kosher for Passover. So yes, <laughs> so there that's another factor here. Yes. But uh, let well, let's talk about some of the uh, the problems that have arisen. Uh, Well, first of all, um, I want my listeners to know that I'm talking with Time's uh, Jean Friedman-Rudovsky. She's written an article called Quinoa, the Darkest Side of an Andean Superfood, which appears on time.com. And we have a link to that article on our show page at WNYC.org. In February, there was a fight over quinoa fields in Bolivia where authorities said at least 30 people were injured and four people were temporarily kidnapped. What's going on?
1: Well, it's, it's interesting. There is a piece of land that's in between two different states here in Bolivia that have sort of a traditional rivalry, the, the residents of these two different states. And um, recently, we have an interesting thing happening here in Bolivia, which some people could sort of say is an upside of climate change. And the fact is, in the highlands, there are areas that were literally unable to be farmed before, even for quinoa, even for a plant that, that can grow at such altitude. Um, because there were the frosts were too frequent and it's just the soil wouldn't give anything. Now, because of global warming, there's more territory to be farmed, and so you have this 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 land that's in between these two states that now is prime quinoa territory. And for the past couple of years, members of one state have sort of been encroaching and planting their crops, and now residents from the other state are angry about that and want to take back the land. Um, and so it's. It's interesting i mean the the fact is you are having increasing land disputes. I would say this is the only real sort of big conflict um with so many people injured and and hostages taken um, but all over quinoa growing um, all over the quinoa growing region, you have you know quarrels uh bickering between families between communities because suddenly the land is is a way to make money um and traditionally
0: people didn't have deeds for their property. Some, er, er, In some areas, uh, ownership is communal. So uh, I'm assuming that now we're seeing Bolivia having to deal with the kinds of problems that, uh, that capitalism presents.
1: Exactly. That's exactly right. You have areas, you have communities where it wasn't really necessary for, before to have land titles, or it wasn't even possible because you know, the, the sort of the state presence um, didn't, didn't reach that far into the countryside. And so you had land where my llamas grazed and my neighbor's llamas grazed, but it, it didn't matter that much where the actual boundary is. And now those boundaries are starting to matter.
0: Well, let's talk about the llamas for a moment. How do they figure into concerns about quinoa cultivation? Are they the major uh, suppliers of organic fertilizer?
1: Absolutely. And you talk to quinoa farmers and they just tell you you can't separate quinoa from the llama. And if you do separate it, your quinoa is not, go- your quinoa is not going to be as good.
0: Well, is there a llama there's, shortage?
1: There's, there's not a llama shortage, but one of the problems is, um, is that people are absolutely starting to sell off their llamas. There's still plenty of llamas in the country, but, but because llamas need a lot of space to graze, and because farmers see that they can make some more money off of taking some of that grazing space and putting in quinoa, there's a lot fewer llamas and there's a lot more quinoa. And it is creating, it's starting to create a soil crisis um, because you have your most natural and best source of fertilizer is being reduced while you're increasing um, the amount of nutrients that the soil needs to give to crops. And I've been told that they have tried with, with other sorts of natural fertilizer, sheep and, and other animals, but that it, it doesn't quite have the same result and may even bring on some, some pests for the quinoa.
0: So llama, uh, uh, how else do we describe it, excretions actually uh, have been tied to quinoa for all of those years for the last 5,000 years or more?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Farmers here tell you that you don't grow quinoa without having llamas. Period. What about? So everyone's keeping a few, but there's not as many.
0: Uh, I'd imagine at these high elevations, water is uh, a uh, is a a rare commodity. Uh, Has that also uh, put has it put a strain on water resources? This boom? It has
1: not yet. It it may in the future. The quinoa. The quinoa growing season is relatively short. Uh, They plant it in in October, November when when the rains haven't started yet, but they're about to It last for the rainy season. And then as soon as the rainy season is over, about this time every year in April, they harvest the crop. And so in general, most farmers are almost entirely dependent on the rainfall. Um, and this year, for example, it was a very good rainfall, and so everyone's getting a good crop. Um, I think that last year and the year before, there was less rain, and so it was problematic. So at this point, there hasn't been a whole lot of demand on external water sources. But it could be, again, if you have you know, massive production of quinoa and there's not a whole lot of rain, absolutely, farmers are going to get nervous and they're going to need to water their crops somehow. And we're talking about one of the driest inhabited regions on the planet
0: you write that one of the ironies of quinoa success is that the children of some of these farmers are no longer eating quinoa because uh, they're selling it all off has that been causing dietary problems it's been such a staple of their diet
1: absolutely and and there's people who believe it will start causing dietary problems there haven't been any there haven't been any studies done to really prove or disprove whether it is causing malnutrition yet or not Um, And this is a it's a complicated issue in some ways. Yes, farmers say, look, if I have a 100 pound sack of quinoa and I can sell that for $100 and with that be able to buy a month's worth of the worth supply of rice, pasta, cooking oil, maybe even some meat, then that's then that's what I want to do. So there's in, in some ways the price does have something to do with the fact that the kids now and, and people generally in the Altiplano and the Highlands are eating less quinoa. The other side of it is simply it's it's globalization. You know, farmers who I spoke with who are older say, Look, thirty years ago there was no Coca Cola, there was no pasta, there was there were no cookies. And now obviously if you put, you know, a plate of food in front of a child and if it's quinoa bread or, you know, a package sweet cake that comes from the Paz, most of them are going to choose the cake.
0: Even though the quinoa is, is quite healthy.
1: Exactly.
0: Uh, a hard listener,
1: sometimes tell kids that. Uh,
0: we, we mentioned some of the things that are being made from quinoa. A, a listener called in to say that there's a company called Andean Beer that's making a gluten-free beer from quinoa. So it's all <laughs> over the place. Uh, thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for talking with us. We've actually uh, provided a link to your article on our show page at WNYC.org. And that article is Quinoa, the Dark Side of an Andean Superfood, uh, written by Time contributor Gene Friedman rudovsky and available either through our website or on Time.com. I love quinoa.